What's up, New Haven? You're listening to Elm City Speaks, a podcast that explores stories of social justice and public service leaders in our community. In 2019, Connecticut's Coalition to End Homelessness released their youth count statistics, which showed that an estimated 535 young adults, ages 18 to 24, experience homelessness in the greater New Haven area. This number may grow drastically after the pandemic, yet currently, only 12 young adult-specific beds are available in New Haven. My name is Diyuthi, and I had the opportunity to talk to Sam Greenberg, the co-founder of Y2Y Network, which created the first student-run young adult shelter in the nation at Y2Y Harvard Square in 2015. He now works on Y2Y New Haven, a collaboration between students across New Haven, Youth Continuum, a community-based nonprofit with a wide array of services for youth, and Y2Y Network to open a student-led, gender-inclusive 20-bed overnight program in New Haven for young adults. He helped walk me through aspects of youth homelessness and how the program aims to help, starting with what is different about young adult homelessness compared to adult homelessness for you know decades since sort of the modern you know the modern homelessness response in america was set up in the late 70s and early 80s um, as homelessness spiked to levels not seen since the great depression and for that entire time until really the last five to ten years the consensus among providers and policymakers and sort of experts, so to speak, was that anybody who is 18 plus is an adult. And that and that that 19 or 62, we should serve this population the same. And that didn't work. In 2012, the Obama administration for the first time put forward a specific priority around serving youth and young adults experiencing homelessness. And That was really in response to the voices of community providers and young adults doing tireless work and advocacy across the country. And it was also in recognition of both a, of brain science, right? So emerging brain science tells us that our brains are not done developing when we're 18, that they really develop until 25, 26, but also in just response to the modern society we live in. Um, I'm 28 and I was 24 five or 26 when I first signed a lease that my dad didn't need to co-sign. That's one of probably dozens of examples that I could give you of how it is totally ridiculous to expect an 18 year old to be able to function on their own, right? So I often think about if my dad didn't have the means or if I was estranged from my parents, I don't know what I would have done. Like I literally don't. You could go through jobs, you could go through um, social supports, you could go through education and how uh, challenging it is to afford an education in our country. So there are so many ways that at as 18 or 19 or 20, that young people are not equipped nor should be expected to be totally self-sufficient in society. And so, so there's been this emerging consensus that young people need separate services. And what we found when we were doing our work is that young people just have fundamentally different needs. First of all, it starts from a problem, which is that young people often don't feel safe staying in adult shelters and often won't stay in adult shelters. That doesn't mean that adult shelters are doing bad work. In fact, just, you know, not at all. 
but it does mean that young people have fundamentally different needs. So we know that young people have disproportionately aged out of the foster care system. We know that young people disproportionately identify as LGBTQ+. We know that um, like the general adult homeless population, young people who experience homelessness are disproportionately youth of color, black and brown young people in particular. We also know that long-term permanent supportive housing may not be what an 18 or 19 year old wants. I didn't, I wanted a four year do right, dorm environment in college. And then I lived with roommates. I still live with roommates. And so to expect the same interventions that work for the adult population is, is maybe just not realistic and not the most beneficial or effective thing. Because of the differences in young adult needs, Y2Y prioritizes a youth-to-youth -youth model that puts young adults at the center of the program's function. Um, and so really the way that we build our model uh, starts by asking young people what they want. And it sounds simple, but all of our good ideas that Y2Y has had have been because young people have told us that, you know, that what they want. And, and, and I think um, the, the other, I think, like guiding principle that we take is to meet young people where they're at. So, uh, you know, again, for us, if a young person tells us they want to pursue education, awesome. We want to support that. If they want to pursue a career because they need to start making money right now, yeah, we want to support that. If they want to support, um, you know, if they want to pursue um, seeking medical or behavioral health services, we want to support that. Um, and, and I think that, that uh, those kinds of approaches, and, and there are a bunch more, have been defined as kind of the right way to create spaces that work for young people. And that ultimately, what we need to do more of here in New Haven and across the country is build enough spaces that are specifically dedicated for young adults experiencing homelessness so that no young person has to you know, make horrible and unsafe decisions about where they're going to stay or where they'll be. And really that's the work that Y2Y is doing. One key way that we seek to build trust is by core to the model, right, is students who uh, play a key role in operating the space. And that's so important to us because the research is really clear that young people who staff a space who staff a program, um, who are well-trained and well-supported and are of about the same age, right, 18 to 24, of the young people staying at the shelter, that that can reduce the, uh, the barrier to trust, that that can make it a little bit easier for a young person experiencing homelessness to trust the systems around them. Getting to your question, which I think is the most important part of the work that Why Do I does and the model that we try and create is incorporating the expertise and experience of youth and young adults experiencing homelessness into our work. Um, you know, I think that uh, it's something we prioritize heavily. We've been, uh, I think it's something that uh, in some ways makes us unique, but I think really it's unfortunate that it's unique because, you know, I often say like, can you think of a single shoe company that would ever release a shoe without having potential shoe customers try it on and give their feedback, right? Like. Obviously that's way too simplistic and the work of shelter is much more critical than a shoe. But in some ways, wouldn't that make it more important that the people who might use it should have a voice, maybe the key voice in how it's created. In seeking youth voice and youth expertise, Y2Y New Haven found itself at the Youth Action Board within Youth Continuum. 
we're so fortunate that Youth Continuum over the past few years has developed and sustained a youth action board, which is a group of amazing young people, clients of Youth Continuum who are taking a leadership role by advising on the way that Youth Continuum across its programs can constantly improve and on the way new programs are designed. So just last Friday, I was reviewing our bed design with Uh, members of the Youth Action Board and got great feedback that our architects have incorporated. Uh, Members of the Youth Action Board participated in a series of design workshops at the end of 2019 and have been involved in designing things like the consequence system, like training, uh, like the way that policies and procedures will be laid out. And I think, you know, again, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's mission aligned, right? We, why would we build something for folks without asking them? In terms of how the, the building itself will look different than maybe other facilities. We really developed some core design principles at YWI Harvard Square, which were informed by those focus groups among young people that have really shaped our design approach as an organization. So the first is safety. We wanna ensure that young people feel safe and that we as a, as a sort of a staff can ensure that young people are safe because it means a lot to us that a young person trusts us enough to come stay with us. We need to hold up our end of the bargain by making sure they're safe. The second is privacy. We have heard again and again and again when we did those workshops that young people just don't often get a lot of privacy. That's one of the terrible things about homelessness is you can never just get a minute to yourself. And so for us, that means that our bed, our sleeping pods should have uh, an opportunity to be pretty private and closed off, that our bathrooms should all be single solid and doors that lock, and that there's spaces whenever possible to create a sense of privacy. The third design principle is gender inclusivity, a disproportionate amount of the young people that we will serve identify as transgender and gender nonconforming. And so as a result, the Why Do I New Haven space will be entirely gender inclusive. There are no gendered spaces. And finally um, is creating a non-institutional space. We've heard from young people again and again that what they don't want is for the space to feel like a traditional shelter. What they don't want is for it to feel like a jail they don't want is for it to feel like, you know, maybe a foster home or some other facility that they've been in. Maybe what they do want is for it to feel fun and inviting and like a place that, you know, any young person would want to spend their time, like a college dorm, like a youth center, like a community center. And so that's really what underlies the design principles and the approach that we take. But while the idea of a project like this sounds nice, how can it truly help break the cycle of homelessness as its mission statement proclaims? How can 20 beds truly make a difference when facing such great numbers like 535 young adults experiencing homelessness in a year? We think of our program model in three tiers. The first is sanctuary programming. And so for us, that will be the sleeping pods, dinner, breakfast, showers, laundry, storage, internet, right? So kind of hopefully meeting all of those basic needs and allowing a young person to just really relax and focus on what they want to focus on. The second part of our work is what we think of as our pathways out of homelessness work. And we are so fortunate to be in this deep partnership with Youth Continuum, where, you know, Why Do I New Haven will be a program of Youth Continuum, because what they offer already today at 924 Grand Avenue is case managers, clinicians, a diaper bank, food bank, clothing, computer lab. So all of those resources will continue to be there. But we're also in dialogue with a bunch of amazing community-based organizations across New Haven about developing partnerships either on-site, resources we can offer on-site, or through referrals across the city. So we hope to develop a program that has 
on-site access to medical care and behavioral health care, on-site access to legal aid and professional development and educational opportunities, on-site opportunities to jobs if we can figure out the partnership and have you know, a cafe on-site that offers on-site jobs. And then the last aspect of our model is leadership development. And what that means is that you know, we really wanna pr provide opportunities for the young people staying with us to grow as leaders. And so Youth Continuum Youth Action Board already does a lot of that great work. We think we can supplement that by supporting the activities of the Youth Action Board, providing workshops in things like public speaking, things like resume building, things like interview skills, uh, providing opportunities for young people to really weigh in on their own future, but then also by getting out to City Hall or by getting uh, up to Hartford for advocacy efforts to really be part of addressing the systems that cause youth homelessness in the first place. Upon intake, um, a young adult is placed with a case manager, um, one of Youth Continuum's case managers who will work to support them in pursuing the goals that they choose. When uh, a young person um, gets a spot at YWI New Haven, they'll have that bed for 60 to 90 days. And that can be extended, but the hope is that we can support them in a successful exit within that time. Um, so that might be to a market rate apartment um, somewhere in New Haven. That might be to a subsidized or longer term housing opportunity somewhere across with one of our partner organizations. Or it might actually be accessing one of the resources that Youth Continuum provides to young people across the city. So again, they operate about 50 units of housing um, and their housing case managers support young people in getting access to those. And a lot of those are transitional housing opportunities. So with a goal of kind of a longer term option and then ultimately self-sufficiency. So you know, that's something that Youth Continuum has a really good track record of doing. Um, doesn't mean that it'll work for every young person to kind of, you know, for 60 to 90 days, which is why we try to think about flexibility. But, but that's sort of the baseline. And then we know that we want to adapt to meet whatever circumstance a young person might need. In the past year, the Connecticut Coalition on Homelessness estimates that there are approximately 535 young adults who have experienced homelessness in that year. And even if you boil it down to the city of New Haven, that's still over 400. On a night-to-night -night basis, 20 to 30 young people sit on a wait list for shelter. So that means that they've gone through intake and they've, and a, and a case manager has said, yes, you need shelter and they don't have access. So that's a lot, but it's not infinity, right? And I think we feel like we really have an opportunity to shrink that number and help young people find shelter. The challenge right now is that if a young person is couch surfing or is um, doubled up, they actually don't qualify as homeless. And that's a problem with the system of care that the federal government mandates. But if a young person can come in and stay in the shelter, they suddenly qualify for rapid rehousing or long-term permanent supportive housing in the community, affordable housing. And so Youth Continuum offers about 50 units of subsidized or um, transitional or affordable housing across New Haven. And their case managers work within those units and beyond to place young people into housing. So what we really work to do is right size the amount of sleeping pods that we're going to bring online with the waiting list. And ultimately in dialogue with Youth Continuum uh, and other uh, local experts from our community advisory board, it really felt like with 20 sleeping pods, we could actually really be well on our way to ending that wait list within the first year of opening. The numbers in the youth count are unlikely to remain static and with the impact of the pandemic possible to rise. Community organizations in New Haven were hit hard, but are adapting and changing their plans to account for a future where COVID and its impacts persist. 
What might this mean for a program like Y2I New Haven, which hasn't opened yet? And what needs do they see that have to be addressed? There are so many systemic um, inequalities uh, in our country and, and New Haven and in our world, and COVID has exacerbated those. So we've seen a lot of the, you know, the causes of young adult homelessness only get worse. So we know that domestic violence has gone up. We know that jobs, especially for young people, actually 18 to 20, I think 25 or 26 has been the hardest hit age demographic in terms of jobs both being lost and not coming back. You know, we've seen that with education uh, opportunities that there are so much more reduced. And and so, so there are so many challenging elements of this. And we've certainly seen that in New Haven. There's been compelling research done mostly at the state level around how, you know, the, the pandemic is disproportionately affecting black and brown folks, uh, disproportionately affecting youth experiencing homelessness, disproportionately affecting the LGBTQ plus community. So, you know, that's really been caused us to think hard about the work we do. And I think work that we were already doing has taken on new urgency. So, um, you know, thinking about anti-racism and anti-bias training, um, thinking about the programming that we offer on site. And then we've also just on a very kind of nitty gritty level, we've had, you know, we've worked with a couple of specialists to ensure that our heating and ventilation and air conditioning system is safe to ensure that our sleeping pods are safe because we know that we may well open while the coronavirus is still an active threat, and we know that we need to be able to respond to that. Y2I New Haven is just one of many programs that exists within New Haven to support those experiencing homelessness and work against social inequities, but there is a lot still to be done. For people looking to help, what might they keep in mind? One of the great, great privileges and fears of our work is that at Why Do I Harvard Square, and we hope that Why Do I New Haven, young people trust us with their lives, right? They let us be with them in this like little moment on their journey, and they are literally entrusting us to say, "I will stay with you," right? I will, I will, I will find a safe harbor here, and that is a tremendous amount of responsibility. You know, we should not take one life simply, let alone twenty, right, or for granted, let alone twenty. So that is an eternal fear, right? Um, we are tasked with ensuring that they are safe and supported, and that we can meet their needs. I believe deeply in the partnership and the work, and I think we've, you know, we have done and we are doing uh, more than enough to make sure that we are supporting that. But I think, you know, un- unfortunately, um, the issue of youth homelessness and its many accompanying challenges. Are, are deep and endemic. And so we can do our absolute best and it might not be enough. I think that doesn't mean we shouldn't do our absolute best, but it, it can make this work overwhelming at times. And so a lot of the you know work we try to do with Why Do I Network is support our students, support our guests, support our staff in working through this because it's messy and there's no way to do it that's not messy. And you know ultimately what we need to do is create the safest environment for young people that we can trust that and know that the quality that we have to operate at is not just like a nice to have, right? It's not just like a, oh, like this is cool if we run really well. It's like, no, no, no. Young people are literally entrusting their lives to us. We need to operate at that high capacity. Um, and, you know, again, I think that's a privilege, but it can certainly, you know, it's, it, it's, it's uh, I think it's appropriate that we understand the uh, enormity of that responsibility. So uh, I'm going to borrow from one of my mentors who tells a story that when she was at a panel uh, at a conference with a group of youth experiencing homelessness and somebody in the audience asked a question, you know, how can we end? How can we end youth homelessness? 
And one of the uh, young women on the panel said, as long as there are families that are not accepting, as long as there are traumatic home environments, as long as our systems fail us, and as long as the streets are safer for us than anywhere else, there will continue to be youth and young adult homelessness. What you can do is you can make sure that we have safe places to go because the longer we're on the streets, the more bad things happen to us. And the more bad things happen to us, the longer we're on the streets. And I th the reason I share that is that I think there are so many places to start, right? And we can feel paralyzed by that. We need the foster care system to not release a third of its uh, young people into homelessness. We need the justice system to not over-criminalize and to work on discharge planning so that folks can actually find a future after their engagement with the justice system. We need our jobs, right, to be available for young people. And those are critically important. What we also need, though, is to understand that, you know, youth homelessness is not going away anytime soon. And so we need to create a whole spectrum of safe and appropriate options for youth and young adults experiencing homelessness. Because we know that the sooner a young person is in a safe and trusted environment, the higher likelihood it is that they can, that that cycle can be interrupted before it really gets started. But we know that the longer a young person experiences homelessness, the more likely it is that they'll experience what we call long-term or chronic homelessness. And so it's our job to interrupt that quickly to provide a safe and trusted environment and to support those young people in meeting the goals that they tell us they want. And you know that's what we try to do at Y to Y, but there are lots of other you know, important organizations doing this work across New Haven. And I think we need to amplify those voices as well. You know, there are so many that I can't name all of them, but you know, I think we, you know, from Youth Continuum to the New Haven Pride Center to CONCAT, there are so many organizations working with youth and young adults. And, and I think it's, you know, it takes all of us and it will take more than all of us. And so I think supporting and amplifying the folks already doing the work and asking them how they can build and do more is what we should be doing. Many students want to get involved and help in whatever way they can. A lot of Dwight Hall projects grew to become independent programs within New Haven, but many ideas burn out before they ever come to fruition. As Y2Y New Haven gears up to start renovations in December and open in the fall of 2021, the reality of the effort and time the project took can be forgotten. The first time I went and visited Youth Continuum and met Paul and some of the other staff, they told me a story or a series of stories about how they loved this idea. That was so smart and so cool and they wanted to be a part of it, but they had a little bit of a concern because they had had students from Yale and other schools intern with them and bring them big ideas over the decades. And one by one, they had fizzled out. Um, I think that there, there's an understandable skepticism. I found this in Cambridge and I grew up in Cambridge, right? And, and here in New Haven about the idea of, you know, um, students at a, at a sort of elite and very wealthy institution, you know, coming into communities and neighborhoods and saying, hey, I think we should do this, right? I, I have an idea to do this. And well, why is that frustrating? Well, have you ever been to this community, right? How much time have you spent here? What about the people who have spent 30 or 40, 50 years? I bet somebody's had that idea, right? And, and like, I think, I think we should sort of assume that they probably have. And, and then I think the back end is, right, communities have seen this and Youth Continuum was one of those. Students come in 
this big idea and then leave, right? And maybe the idea got implemented and it fizzles out or it never got implemented and they leave. I think that's healthy skepticism. And I think it's our job as a as an organization. I think it's your job. And I think you guys have done this so well to prove those folks wrong, not in a mean way or in a challenging way, but to say, I hear your concern and I'm going to prove that we are trustworthy and we are reliable and we are here to be part of this work. So I think that that's the first thing I would say is that there's power in us showing up and showing up and showing up and not leaving. And ultimately, you know, what I think we've seen with Why Do I Harvard Square and I've seen with other programs that really work that are student led is that they can become true collaborations over time. I think we make a huge mistake when we think that, you know, and I'll say as I'll just use Harvard as a Harvard alum and somebody who grew up in the shadow of Harvard, that anytime I might assume that Harvard is the sole source or even the deep, you know, the great source of expertise in greater Boston or in Cambridge, like I'm making a mistake because what that doesn't account for is people who have, I think, I think Harvard, or, and I think I can say this about Yale having been here for a few years, cultivate one type of expertise. It doesn't mean it's a bad type of expertise. It's a really good type of expertise used judiciously, but there are so many other kinds of expertise in this world. We talked about lived experience and lived expertise earlier, and there are so many others. And ultimately, if we somehow took ourselves away from being the beneficiaries of that expertise, our mission will fail and our young people will fail. You know, when we say, what is the best project? Well, the best project is one that is owned by all of us. And I think that to borrow a, a phrase actually that one of our students used, I think that if we think that at, you know, as a, a group initially of Yale students that's grown to reflect other schools, that we want to invite community members to the table, that's the wrong flip. They have the table and we're asking if we can come sit at it. The relationships and conversations that we developed to launch Why Do I Harvard Square was about five years in the making. The relationships and conversations that it's taken to launch Why Do I New Haven, well, it's been three years and we're about a year from opening, right? I think that, and, and I wouldn't have had it any other way because it would have been a worse product with less credibility and less relationships and less expertise if we had done it differently. I know that the work is urgent and I know that four years seems like an eternity, but uh, I think ultimately what I, if, if I've learned anything, it's like, it's worth it to do that work and to be in it and to take the time that's needed. Why Twy New Haven was a project that began with a group of students from the Yale Hunger and Homelessness Action Project, who hoped to mirror a program similar to the student-run program in Why Twy Harvard Square. In the span of three years, it grew to become a 60-member organization partnering with Youth Continuum, a service nonprofit who was already dedicated to the cause of youth homelessness within New Haven. Together, they are now getting ready to open, but only after connecting directly with the New Haven community members and young adults. We encourage students to get involved in issues they care about, but look first towards supporting organizations that are already active in New Haven to see what they feel is needed as the true impacts and issues are felt by the community that calls New Haven home. This has been Elm City Speaks, a Dwight Hall podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Thank you.